goodest of good days, dear podcast pals. It's simply ripping to have you here safe and sound for another instalment of this journey into the safe, secure and all-in-all superb, better world that we all know, knowing our damn bones, eh what, is now just around the corner. Oh yes, absolutely, and you bet your sweetest of sweet bippies on that, cats and kittens. If there's one thing you can be certain of, it's that right now, Arkham and I are feeling safe. We always do here, in our hidden corner of rurality, of course. The happy place is frightfully unfrequented as it is, but even if it wasn't, and even if we were elsewhere, we'd be at our blissful ease, kicking back and worried about the thin end of fuck-all sharpened into a fine point. You know the sort of super-safe sense of safeness I'm describing, of course. You and yours are all cosy at home, all the doors and windows are secured, and should anyone bearing you even the least barely perceptible scintilla of ill will, should they attempt to breach your domestic fortress, braving perhaps even the popular alarm system advocated by the world's worst actors, you're smugly indomitable in the knowledge that your somewhat iffily acquired sawn-off shotgun is tucked under the cushion of your favourite easy chair and that the local plod will smile indulgently and tell you to be more careful in future should you have cause to pull it out and give some burgle turd both barrels in their ratty gap-toothed face. You know, it's possible, just possible, that I've lived in the countryside for a little too long. I don't know, hard to say. Nevertheless, and that aside, the upshot of what I'm getting at here is that you, the dog, and I are very, very safe. And that's a tip-top thing to know in these soon-not-to-be-troubled times. Shrewd auditor that you doubtless are, you have almost certainly detected a hint of a theme here. But it's not just a theme limited to discontent provider, oh my no, it's in the very air we're all breathing, is it not? The birds in the trees, the traffic in the streets, all seem to hum with a newfound sense of contentment. And why? Oh, come now, we all know why. But for the benefit of those that haven't yet worked it out, they probably downloaded this by mistake and are only hanging on in the way that nobody likes to miss a really gruesome car crash, let's have it out in the open. It's because the government is criminalising the recreational use of nitrous oxide. Because Richie Sunak, number 10's very own robocock, has declared his administration to be tough on crime. Yes, we can all breathe far easier now, knowing that giggling idiots will be looking at jail time for fannying about in laybys. And rightly so, of course. Their antisocial antics, the sums worth of little silver bullets scattered around scenic spots, all that must have been inconveniencing respectable, hard tax-paying doggers no end, must they not? Ah, but can you imagine the crushing disappointment of some hopeful alfresco romantic approaching a gently rocking motor car? Their jovial mating call, room for a little one, dying on their lips as they see that it's a gaggle of cackling adolescents that's playing merry hell with the vehicle's suspension and not the sweaty four-door fuckfest of their dreams. So, high time somebody got tough on this scourge. For a scourge is what it truly is, of course. Mr Sunak said so in those very words earlier this week. So there you have it. Tough on crime and scourge of drugs. You know it's odd, 
really. Only last week you might recall me lamenting the fact that chronicling mankind's descent into chaos and late-stage capitalism had about it a certain sameness from time to time, and almost as though the government were listening... The Prime Minister busts out the freshest, most dynamic double whammy of political rhetoric I think that any of us has heard in decades. It's reassuring to learn that one's cynicism, though forgivable, can be completely misplaced at times. That in an age of meaningless soundbites and rehashed non-ideas, spun and respun for the benefit of the terminally credulous, now and then the turbulent sea of politics can hurl such truly game-changing jetsam onto the shore of public consciousness. When did we last hear of a Conservative government willing to speak out against the criminal classes? Dash it all, it's as though they didn't care about crime at all, and that successive administrations touching reticence to broach the topic of illegal drugs was born of a laissez-faire, softly, softly, bleeding heart approach, or... I don't know. Maybe they thought that the matter would resolve itself in the end, perhaps by removing almost 24,000 police officers from the streets in the past decade or so. They'd hoped that the inner city areas, known only to their voting base as myths and legends, would collapse in upon themselves in a self-contained escape from New York scenario, and that the real, worthwhile people of Britain would be free to go about their business untroubled by anything more knife-like than a neighbour's bitchy comments about their new kitchen curtains. Well, that's not the case anymore. Something is going to happen. Something is going to be done. It takes a leader of rare and priceless courage to stand up for what's right, albeit that it might mean saying the unsayable. Indeed, those of us with long memories will recall the glory days of Mr Tony Blair, who vowed to be tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime, though not, as it turned out, war crimes. But that's a story for another time. Mr Sunak then is a similar man of vision. Dear <sighs> cats and kittens, if it's alright with you, I'd like to pack in the none too subtle irony for a little. Quite aside from the fact that, the, that this particular dead horse has, I feel, been flogged, skinned, butchered and rendered down for glue and cat food by now, the, the idea of acting as a hype man, even a sarcastic hype man for our leaders, has left a taste in my mouth that is far nastier than that of dead horse be it flogged or unflogged. Besides, maintaining that level of breathless enthusiasm is absolutely fucking exhausting. How do happy people manage that day in, day out, eh? Right. Dower hat, but still dapper hat. Firmly back on, let's proceed, shall we? Only the darkest, wisest and most ancient gods know just why the PM decided to make such a shocking hoop-to-doodle of this policy particularly as he had others on hand that were, one might have thought, far more calculated to appeal to the vengeful nature of the British public. The notion that victims of crime could appeal more effectively against offenders receiving parole, etc. That sort of thing. I mean to say, these cats and kittens have advisers, don't they? Mind you, so did Theresa May and all the other gone-but-not-forgotten deadbeats that have occupied the big chair in the past few years. Could it be all down to the sort of backroom skullduggery for which the Conservative Party has been so notable of late? Ah, imagine it. Yes, trust us, Rishi. We wouldn't steer you wrong. This is a winner. You go ahead and tell them. Tell them all about it. Uh, no, no, I have, I, I have no idea what Gove and Hunter giggling about over there. Uh, perhaps somebody told them a, a funny joke or something. 
Actually, this one seems unlikely. As according to a lot of reports, top-level advisors suggested that uh, the boy was on a definite wrong with this little wheeze. Of course, maybe he hadn't intended it for be, uh, to be the main talking point of his speech uh, in Essex on Monday, but it's definitely what the media decided to home in on. Perhaps it's the visible nature of uh, nitrous oxide abuse that has aroused the hackles of Tory voters. Even here in our rustic backwater, Arkham and I have come across those little cylinders in hedgerows and uh, on roadsides, and they certainly do nothing to aesthetically elevate the place. Of course, it's always possible, somewhere in the outer fringes of probability's wildest realms, that it's a genuine concern for a serious danger to the public's health. Unlikely. According to the government's uh, harm assessment on nitrous oxide, which was, strangely enough, updated uh, most recently on the day of Rishi's address, uh, there have been more fatalities uh, linked... Uh, they, they've gone up, certainly. There have been more fatalities linked uh, to the use of the gas in the last eight years than occurred in the 12 years preceding them, but the total number of deaths are judged to be 56 uh, between the years 2001 and 2020. Uh, given that that includes death that took place in medical settings, though there isn't a breakdown of how those figures shake out percentage-wise, we're not exactly talking about a deadly epidemic. This is not the new heroin. Ah, the new heroin. Never as good as the old heroin. Uh, but obviously, any avoidable death is a heartbreaking tragedy. Uh, but here, I think, we uh, could argue that education rather than criminalisation might be more effective. It appears that, uh, although there are a lot of health drawbacks to nitrous oxide use, uh, it appears that the most serious effect uh, of frequent or prolonged use of the stuff is a severe deficiency in the body's vitamin B12 uh, levels that can uh, cause complications that uh, do or can prove fatal. Uh, and nobody could deny that that's horrible. But it's also easily rectified if people are warned clearly of the dangers and encouraged to supplement their B12 levels in order to combat the gas's effect and ameliorate some of its other side effects uh, with, you know, similar tips. Risks nitrous users may pose to other people, though, uh, through their behaviour, could be seen as a concern. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of data on that, uh, not in this country anyway. A report from the Netherlands has shown an 80% ride in road accidents involving laughing gas, apparently, uh, but the data appears to suggest that these accidents are as likely to be caused by drivers being more preoccupied with buggering about with balloons than keeping their eyes on the road as they are to be caused by drivers whacked out of their gourds. Now, here in the UK we already have laws... Uh, draconian laws at that, if you listen to inveterate texters, that deal with in-car distractions, so uh, surely they would apply in those cases, and as would the laws on uh, in-car intoxication, of course. Anyway, as yet, there are no figures available to indicate whether or not uh, motoring accidents due to laughing gas is a serious problem in Britain. The other issue, of course, is, well, you know, drugs, reefer madness, barbarism in the streets, Little old ladies being stabbed in the eye by dirty herpidermics, by crazy-eyed junkies jonesing to ride the white horse. Well, not according to these quotes from the harm assessment. Quote, From the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs, public call for evidence, uh, there were no substantive evidence of links between use of nitrous oxide and crime. End quote. Another one. Quote, the European Crime Prevention Network 
recommendation paper suggests that there was little evidence on the involvement of criminal networks in the distribution of nitrous oxide, but suggested that limiting the legal sale of nitrous oxide may have the unintended consequence of the emergence of these. All in all then, we can see that nitrous oxide certainly has its downside, and I'd be the last person to suggest it as a lifestyle choice to anybody. But compared to other drugs, or even the booze come to that, it's really not all that fearful a scourge. On the other hand, handing out automatic two-year jail sentences to young people for a relatively minor effect, with all the uh, far-reaching and life-blighting consequences that that entails, fucking well will be one. And for what? To prove, as we've already established, that drugs are a scourge and the Tories are the party of law and order. No matter that they have in real terms, as we've already observed, cut the numbers of serving police officers by several thousand in the past ten years, uh, their adherents will still bang on about how much more crime there is nowadays, particularly in London under Sadiq Khan. It was never like this under Boris Johnson. The frequency and the energy with which this last talking point is parroted might very well lead one to think that old De Feffel used to don cape and cowl at night and patrol the streets of the capital like Batman. Well, of course, he does cut quite a figure on a zip line, don't he? Hmm. Come to think of it, which I'm loath to do, uh, for all I know, Boris might dress up like Batman every night. Uh, well, he's got to do something, hasn't he? Without the fancy wallpaper, the perks of high office, and some dashing superhero cosplay, at some point his much younger and considerably more attractive wife is bound to be struck by the unvarnished truth that she's fucking Boris Johnson. Uh, but no, let us tear ourselves away, with some reluctance I'm sure, from the Johnsonian boudoir and get back to the point. With their recent abject failures and an election on the way, what option really do the government have but to fall back on their most tired and hoary old lines? Christ on crutches, they can't even proudly trumpet their fiscal responsibility after the quasi budget of Liz Truss. Banging on about crime and demonising a load of pimply uh, delinquents is pretty much all that's left in their bag. And besides, it's always easy to punch down, isn't it? Which is, I might add at this point, a distinction that seems to be lost upon one Mr Dominic Raab. Filling in at PMQs this week, the curiously serpentine Tory number 2 proffered some truly weak tea up in defence of Angela Rayner's uh, reference to him currently facing allegations of bullying. I've never called anyone scum, he cracked feebly, and there was much laughter on his side of the house. Uh, of course, that may very well be the case, at least not out loud, uh, but he misses a very salient point. Calling somebody a nasty name can definitely be bullying, but only if there's a power dynamic in play. For a member of the opposition to refer to Tories as scum may be crass, vulgar and unstatesmanlike, but it isn't bullying because the government is... Well, you know, they're the government. They run the show. So even if Ms Rayner had really let her glorious red hair down and referred to the cabinet as a bunch of piss-stinking shitfuckers, it wouldn't have particularly affected them one way or the other. They would still be large and very much in charge and free to uh, devise legislation designed to jam thousands of daft little herberts into an overcrowded and under-resourced prison system for pissing about with laughing gas. Now that, Mr Raab, should note, is bullying, even if it makes for great headlines. 
And on that note, I think it's time that Arkham and I left you to your own, I trust, edifying and stimulating devices for another week. Don't forget, though, podcast pals, you can contact us by email at uh, discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk. And if you fancy subscribing to this podcast and sharing links to it with all your nearest and dearest, (laughs) well, there's not a lot that a cockeyed old folky and the world's greatest lurcher could do about that, is there? All views expressed herein are entirely my own. All facts and quotes are culled from reputable sources and reproduced as effectively as is humanly possible. Until the next time uh, we convene then, cheerio! Right then, Arkham, let's get off. Uh, oh, I suppose we better clear these bleeding cylinders up before we, uh, before we go. Uh, do you know what, old top? I really don't see what the fuss is all about. The hell with it. I'm going back to glue. Lay down your balloon to crawl out of your holes. We're here to strike fear into criminal souls. And elections coming up, so we're gonna get tough on crime. No dope, no graffiti, no more Jack the Ladding. It's how our blocks are pals, but with defective planning. We'll look the other way while they kill hundreds at a time. Tough luck, kid, you're a low-hanging fruit You should've been a party donor, worn a smart suit A pointless war on petty crimes, a surefire hit A vote's a pleasing cleansing of society's shit There's a price to be paid for your trivial highs Two years in prison getting brutalised So tell me this, you scabby little toe-rag who's laughing now? After years of cutting staff and financial resources To admittedly problematic police forces We blame the rising crime on lefties and bleeding hearts The public feels safe when the government's bold But the cops are so depleted they can't catch a cold We've got to nick somebody so you'll do for a start can't clock down on speeders cause we have a priori Evidence that lots of motorists vote Tory We can't upset our base so we'll set the dogs on trash like you Try to see the big picture by your incarceration You're doing your bit to help save the nation From a future where the likes of us are voted out and can't coin it in Attitudes behind a podium About cracking down on anti-social dolls scrunching scum Then I'll leave the heavy lifting to the hard girls and boys in blue 
But I'm giving faithful folks to something they can believe in I'm a cross between Judge Red Luther and old Jack Regan With just a hint of PC McGarry number 452 The electorate will lap it up as we fill the cells With malefactors, scallywags and ne'er-do-wells While polluters and bankers do their thing and rub the public blind I'll be a big tough man to the easily impressed When I do a photo op and wear a cop staff vest They'll think I'm Charles Bronson kicking ass and taking street punk names